The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 136. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. Alright, we ready? Recording. Here we go. AT&T downgrading Edge, a curse of silence, and if you can't buy, why not rent? My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. And before we get going this week, just a quick announcement that we will be recording the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number 12 this week, and we're going to talk all about Mickey's new iPhone and also the initial announcements that come out of Macworld 2009 that starts tomorrow, January 5th, in San Francisco. So in the news, first story we wanted to talk about, this is a, a very interesting one, and that's from a Gizmodo article citing that AT&T will be downgrading its 2G or Edge networks to run on only 1900 megahertz. What this means is those phones that run on the older Edge networks, such as um, all Blackberries with the exception of the Bold, or the first generation of the iPhone that came out, among others, will only be able to use the Edge network on 1900 megahertz. The 850 band will be pulled out and be exclusively used for the third generation network that they're building up. Uh, and this whole story comes with a little bit of skepticism from our from us because Gizmodo's story, which was originally posted uh, yesterday, January 3rd, has been pulled off of their site. And so, Joey, uh, before we get into this a little bit more, I, I did want to make sure that everyone understands that, that the original sources that were cited on this did get pulled down off that, off that site. So, uh, but that being said, what would this mean? This would mean that AT&T, who has you know, built up this edge network and built it out for releases of devices such as the iPhone, the original iPhone, uh, will be tweaking the network so that third generation phones or 3G devices have priority when it comes to the 850 band. Now, historically, the 850 band has been one that in the US specifically uh, gives better in in-building penetration, and also uh, just generally overall better coverage for rural areas or areas where you've got to cover a greater distance uh, with one particular uh, site. So I'd like to get your thoughts on this because AT&T is, is, if they decide to do this, is really going to kind of be cutting off a a large portion of its current subscribers in areas where it's not like they're going to lose service, but they're going to have degraded service or, or basically be told to upgrade to 3G devices. Well, yeah, they they will, but it, it, do a lot of people, do you think, have devices that will only run an 850, or is it going to be kind of like if you've got a really old device? Well, in the in the devices that they they sell, I would have a, a hard time thinking of a device that doesn't have both 850 and 1900 bands. But kind of backing up a little bit, what you have to realize is that in the grand, you know, the grand scheme of how the spectrum is allocated, uh, in different parts of the country, AT&T runs on, on one or the other or sometimes both. It really depends on where you are. I'll take a couple of specific examples here. Uh, in the New York City area, AT&T happens to run on the 850 band primarily, and that dates back to the old days of analog cellular. And they were, I, I don't know if it was the A or B side provider, but they were one of them. And so when it transitioned over to 
digital cellular, they picked up that spectrum and continued to use it for digital, of course, then expanding into edge and into 3G. But over the course of time, they probably also picked up some 1900 megahertz spectrum in that area to help ride some of the additional traffic, or maybe it was just data or whatever it was, but they did probably get some additional spectrum. So what they're saying is in certain parts of the country, if if you have both of these bands, you're going to find that all the, the edge traffic or, or older 2G traffic is going to be completely pulled off of that 850 spectrum, which would have given you better coverage in, in a, you know, inside, uh, giving it to 3G. And then, of course, you have to run in 1900 megahertz only. But in other areas of the country, like Arizona, we are only 1900 megahertz. So that wouldn't necessarily affect us all that much. So I don't see it as being necessarily a problem everywhere in the country. But if this is, in fact, true, it could certainly be in parts that, you know, rely on that great coverage. It, that, that's very true. And, and the way I then kind of say, well, let's say, okay, yeah, you're losing your 19 or you're using losing 850 um, on your edge. But, you know, as as the you know future progresses here, people with edge only devices are going to become less and less. And and maybe AT&T is now taking the stance that let's get all of our devices running 3G because the because uh, the 3G network is more efficient at allocating spectrum and it may be cheaper for them to operate. I'm not sure, but eventually maybe they'll move entirely to the 3G network. Kind of reminds me of the the TDMA transition where they basically just started pulling out TDMA sites from all over the country and started saying you need to upgrade to these newer handsets. But that was at a time when they had stopped selling second-generation devices, or or not second-generation, TDMA devices long before then. Second-generation or 2G Edge devices are still being sold, including almost all of the Blackberries, which are, you know, huge in the business world. So that's why I'm, I'm putting a little bit of skepticism on this, because how how can they possibly, with the exception of the bold, be selling these Blackberries to people and saying, we've got all this great coverage, but yet your phone's not going to work, you know, in building and stuff like that in, in these types of places. So I don't know, just very, very strange. And uh, I don't know, I just a lot of skepticism with this one. And uh, we'll just see what happens with this. If we can find some more definitive information, we'll be sure to pass it on. Yeah, I would definitely wouldn't think they'd move, uh, you know, to uh, 3G only anytime soon. I mean, I'm talking years from now, but this possibly could, uh, you know, signal that move because they want to, uh, you know, use the the better band for 850. And it may just come down to simple economics of the iPhone. They may say, you know, the iPhone will work better for people on 850. So let's move to 850. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting that you, you bring up a device that was being sold up until six months ago uh, or nine months ago, whatever it was, May, and now they're just basically saying, well, you need to upgrade and get your new one when you were paying, what, $400 for that device at the time. I mean, that's that's a hard pill to swallow. So anyway, we'll uh, like I said, we'll make sure to keep up on this one because there's uh, you know there's some some pretty severe implications if it is, in fact, the case for certain markets around the country. Next one here, a story from the New York Times, which doesn't really bring a lot of new information out to uh, the market, but rather a, a uh, an editorial of sorts about what carriers aren't telling you about texting. And we've talked about this in the past. And it goes to say that out of approximately 2.5 trillion messages that will be sent in, in the, the year 2008, the public assumes that since, of course, this number has increased significantly over the last few years, 32% from 2007 to be 
exact, and up to about $3.3 trillion, that, that would, in, in, of course, increase the cost that the carrier has from sending these messages. But in fact, that is not the case. And, and what we found is that if you don't have a plan, of course, your, your text messaging rates have gone from typically $0.10 cents per message up to $0.20 cents per message. And that particular increase would be attributable to the cost that they were uh, increasing on their side. But when you think about what a text message is, and that's 160 bytes of information, this particular message sent over their network is really, really not a big deal. Um, the, the message itself is tr- transmitted over the control channel that the particular carrier has. And so and, and no additional information or data is really needed. This is a technology that was created for the technicians that originally built up the GSM networks to use to send messages back and forth to each other. And because of that, it, it's... Uh, it, because of its writing on the control channel, it's how it's limited to um, you know a certain length, so 160 characters uh, in this case. So the the cost of potentially storing these is something that I guess you would you would think maybe come in hand, but at a, maybe a hundred bucks for a terabyte um, of of data that you can buy now, it's really not that expensive for them to store them because they're not storing all of these messages all the time. It's just if a message cannot be transmitted, uh, for example, your phone is off or you know whatever, um, that's when they need to store it. But other than that, there's no reason to. And the store, the the article here kind of goes into saying, you know, as a consumer, you may say, well, I've got an unlimited plan, so I don't have to worry about overage charges or per message charges, you know, and I pay $20 a month for that particular, you know, luxury of being able to do that. And they compare that to being someone who is goes to an all you can eat cafeteria. And the fact that you would be only only able to eat as much as you can, as long as it was in bite sized portions. So you can really continually put together, um, you know, an unlimited number, an infinite number of messages per person, because it's really not that big of a deal, because it's such a, a little amount of information. Yeah. So I mean, the the senators, the, the response the senator received were basically, well, we make it cheap for the customer because we offer plans of ten and fifteen dollars, uh, you know, as example for the customer to, to send text messages. And that was their basic, their only real response. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting article if you didn't get a chance to read it this week. And again, there's no real good information or new information, and it. it's, it's good information for sure. But yeah, no, there's, definitely, there's definitely new information because he actually did receive the responses from the carriers uh, into his inquiry of why have these messages uh, or text messages uh, rates doubled. And they didn't really seem to give him an answer, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, small messages, and even though they're talking about how, you know, a couple trillion seems like a lot, it, it really isn't, you know, divided over the amount of subscribers that they have constantly in communication with the network. It's really not all that big of a deal, but a good read if you're, uh, if you're interested in it from the New York Times. Next here, Samsung talks about that it's creating its own fourth-generation chips, and this is a move away from the technology that they've used and in in sub, subbing that out from Qualcomm in making all the chips that they use for their devices. But what they're looking to do for the new devices that they've got coming out on both WiMAX and LTE-based phones, they're going to make its own chips and uh, save a little bit on the royalties that they would have to pay and, of course, uh, different uh, you know different other payments that they'd have to make to, the, to Qualcomm and any other uh, 
manufacturers that are making these chips. But what this brings up is a question of what kind of patents are they going to have to pay into here, Joey? And I know we don't know all of the details that go into this, but when someone is is looking to use a technology that has been patented, such as, let's just take LTE as the example, what is Samsung going to have to do here? Well, Samsung will have to pay royalties to probably both, you know, WiMAX and LTE to those associations and the companies that probably hold the patents around uh, some of the fundamentals of the technology that um, need to communicate with that network. Uh, They'll probably also have to pay royalties to other companies that have, you know, wireless technologies developed that they'll have to use, you know, as as parts of the integration of doing the 4G chipset. Um, Some of it may go to Qualcomm because they may own some uh, intellectual property that revolve around, you know, communicating to a tower or, you know, little bits and pieces. There's, you know, lots and lots and lots of pieces that go into, you know, making this chipset and and all the different uh, ways that it communicates and the ways that it processes and the ways that it handles all the data coming in and out. But if they do it themselves, they will definitely reduce the payments um, of royalties and also they'll increase their profit margin because of instead of purchasing the chip from Qualcomm, where then there's markup, they can then uh, they can make their own chips, decide their own you know markup and margin, and save some on the intellectual property. Definitely a good way for them to save some money, but uh, yeah, it is interesting that they're going to be the ones that are going to be going after uh, those patents and and developing the the products that they are. So anyway, but uh, if you're a Samsung fan, of course, this is, you know, interesting news to hear as, uh, you know, the Korean company will be moving into 2009 with their own ships. And this could potentially save, uh, you know, customers a little bit of money on their handsets as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they won't have to pay all the costs related to that portion of it. So good news for the consumer if that is in fact the case. And if you're someone who likes to switch out phones a lot like I am, you're going to like this next story. And that's a that a new company out of New Jersey called uh, Rentable has started purchasing phones that are available for rent to customers. Basically, they go to the carrier, they buy the phone, rent it to you, and that you charge they charge anywhere from $20 to $50 per month for the handset. And uh, they have between two and five handsets per carrier. And they state that you can rent them for as long as you want, but they encourage you to change out your handset often to try other different models. So very, very interesting you know, concept as far as what you can do to, to test out different devices. Kind of chalk this one up to why didn't I think of that, I guess. You know, this is a great, uh, great opportunity for those that are with a particular carrier and want to try other phones but are locked into the contract, don't want to spend the money out of pocket and whatnot. So great, uh, great news for, for, uh, for those that like to try a bunch of different handsets. Kind of neat, if you ask me. Yeah, it kind of is. Uh, they need a better selection, though, than just two to five. Yeah, I suppose. But, you know, they're, it's phones like the iPhone and the Storm, you know, those phones, those that you would, I'm sure, love to have, too, if you had accounts with them and you didn't have the phone, you know? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, if you want to check out this and get additional information on it, it is over at rentable.com. Anyway, next one here, the curse of silence has struck on the Nokia S60 devices and an exploit that causes a phone to stop receiving SMS messages happens when a message is sent to the user's device uh, that has more than 32 characters 
in the the address. The actual message is sent as an internet electronic mail message, and it comes through as an SMS message and infects uh, all sorts of different devices in the Symbian OS from 3rd edition feature pack 1, including the popular E90, E71, N95, and even the N81, and of course the uh, the newer devices as well. So the uh, the problem here doesn't look like it's relegated to one particular phone or one particular uh, series of this operating system, but pretty much every looks like almost every Nokia Series 60 device is affected by this. Um, the only way at this point to get the uh, the bug to stop functioning, or so you can start receiving messages again, is to do a hard reset on the device. So a a pretty interesting hack for uh, for the for the community of of, uh, of devices that doesn't really have too many problems like this. But um, it it's very interesting to see uh, how this works. And there's a video on one of the links that we'll have in the show notes here showing how once the phone receives this type of message, no other messages can be received by the handset. So if you particularly uh, if you have one of these devices and you happen to find that you're stop you're not receiving messages anymore. It could be because of this. I don't really see a lot of people uh, attacking each other with this, other than you know, kind of you know, geeky fun, I guess. But you know, other than not being able to receive messages, it doesn't seem to do any harm to the handset itself. Like I said, it does require a hard reset to get the phone back to message receiving mode. Next one here, Mizu has opened a flagship store in Shenzhen. Shenzhen, China, and the Mizu is the company responsible for manufacturing of the M8 handset, which is a iPhone knockoff or iPhone clone that has been in the news as being a very close competitor for those that are looking for a cheaper alternative. And Joey, over the over the course of the last year, I know we've talked a little bit about Mizu and and this M8 device, and I haven't really thought much about it, but I know it's it's kind of piqued your interest just as a you know a media playing device uh, more than anything because it does have a, a very close look to the iphone yeah it does uh, i was kind of looking at some mizu players uh, just regular video players uh, mp3 player styles and uh, i almost went with one of them but i did not uh, but it seems like they have a, a fairly good reputation yeah and, and honestly it looks really close to the iphone i mean it it has the basically one button on it and it, it uses a mini sd or mini uh, usb for charging instead of the 30 pin uh you know proprietary connector that Apple uses on the bottom. So that, that is a little bit nicer. But uh, again, it doesn't run the Apple software or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not sure if we'll be able to see that here in the U.S. or not because it, it may be too close and it may be uh, violating some patents or copyrights of the iPhone itself. So I'm, I, I wouldn't hold your breath here in the U.S. for it. I suppose you know it's one of those uh, it's one of those devices that I, I think if someone really wants to get it though they can figure out a way. There's certainly ways to. Oh, to eBay get- would be one spot. I'm sure you could easily get one into yeah. the U.S. Absolutely. And if you happen to be in Shenzhen, China anytime soon, you can uh, stop by the new store and check it out. Uh, into the rest of the devices here. First off, the LG wristwatch phone is going to be making its debut at CES this week. The uh, The phone itself is model number GD910. It's a very slim uh, device, only 13 millimeters thick and uh, 1.4 inches uh, is of a touch a full touch screen, which is an LCD screen. It also features voice styling with built-in speech recognition, uh, text-to-speech, a front-facing camera for video calling, music player, and built-in Bluetooth. It is a GSM HSDPA device that has speeds up to 7.2 megabits per second. So a very interesting 
phone that uh, shows the very Dick Tracy like. This is the only thing that I can think of when I see this phone. Is it just kind of goes back to the you know the times where we thought this was going to be how everyone talked to each other. They don't give dimensions. I have a feeling this is bigger than it than it kind of looks, but. Um, being the full touchscreen. Now that really piques my interest. I mean, that that to me tells me that this phone actually could be usable in this form factor. Um, I don't know how you would talk on it other than using just the Bluetooth headset. Because um, I, I don't know if you're going to hold it up to your, you know, hold your <laughs> wrist up to your ear to hold right. this conversation. But um, I mean, I guess instead of carrying it in a pocket, how, how handy is this to actually carry it on your wrist? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, that's the thing is how do you, other than being on a speakerphone all the time, which I'm guessing it probably does have, um, that's, you know, you're going to want to be able to make calls. But, you know, there are certain, there are certain devices that I could see, you know, someone or certain uh, situations where you could want this type of device and, and easily use a Bluetooth handset. Um, it, you got a phone, you got a watch, you may as well combine them, I guess, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's another option. It's obviously not for everybody because this would not make a very good web browser. And, uh, you know, some of the no. other sort of, uh, you know, things you do with a larger screen device is obviously just, just not fill that, uh, fill that need at all. Right. But, you know, at the same time, it's, it, it's a, it's a unique proof of concept at the very least. And we'll be, uh, certainly finding out more of this this week at CES. Next year, the Neo Free Runner could be the next device with Android on it. Looks like OpenMoco may be launching this device in early 2009. The Neo Free Runner is a, an open source device that uh, has in the past run its own software. Actually, I, I'm not sure what software it is we have talked about in the past. Do you remember, Joey, what, what version it was this the, was? The, no, I don't remember what version it was. It was the Linux uh, open source uh, right. OS. Yeah, and... And it looks like it could be an Android phone here moving into the future. Uh, dimensions on it look to be very similar to devices in the past uh, with a VGA display and uh, some good processing power and, of course, and a, a decent battery, good memory, stuff like that. It's, it's one of those devices that the, the, the development community, the open source uh, community for phones has really embraced and they really liked it. So it would make sense that they would have a model that would run the Android software. So we could see that coming up in the future too, and uh, which could be interesting. On the iPhone side of things this week, a contract-free iPhone is now available if you are in France. The price, 800 euros, so just over 1,100 US dollars for the 8-gigabyte version, 16 gigabytes, 900 euros, so just over $1,200. So don't look to get it for cheap, but if you are interested in getting an unlocked iPhone, you can do so by picking one up in France, or, of course, you can do so now using the iPhone devs, Dev Team's Yellow Snow software that was released as stated that it would be on New Year's Day this past week. The beta release point nine of Yellow Snow does have some issues with it, but it is working for an updated iPhone 3G uh, version 2.2 are uh, running uh, the modem firmware 2.28 so if you do have the latest software on your iphone 3g you can now unlock it to use it with any other carrier that uh, supports a sim card and also in iphone news the iphone nano we talked about in the past show and talked about how it probably was a rumor but it looks like this could uh, indeed be true the vaha cases company or the, the company that creates these cases has now listed on their website under the Apple section, the iPhone Nano. What that means is this is just another uh, reputable case manufacturer that's saying that they will be manufacturing cases for a device that we have yet to see. Tomorrow,
tomorrow, of course, is the keynote speech that will be done at Macworld. And I'm sure if anything is going to come out for it, it will be stated tomorrow. So we'll find more out about that. And of course, talk more about it on the upcoming show. Uh, T-Mobile has released a list of devices that they expect to release in the first quarter of 2008. These devices include the Sony Ericsson TM506, which is was the first 3G device that they had on their network, this time in Scarlet, the Nokia 7510, T-Mobile Shadow, we'll talk about that in just a second here, Motorola Renew, Samsung T119, Rim Curve 8900, and the Samsung Memoir. So look for those devices if you're a T-Mobile user coming up here in the next quarter. The T-Mobile Shadow on that list, it listed as coming out at the end of January. The device will be called the Shadow 2009. It will not have 3G, so you're, if you're looking to upgrade and get the next uh, version of this and, and get your 3G with it, you're not going to be able to do that yet. But it does still have uh, Windows Mobile 6.1 and does have Wi-Fi on it, so you can use the Hotspot at Home service if you want to make your calls on that. Uh, not exactly a, a, a major upgrade from the device uh, that came out uh, mid last year, but uh, if you're looking for something, you can certainly pick uh, pick up a new shadow in uh, different colors uh, with very similar specs. Uh, next here, the Motorola Renew we just mentioned as well, coming to T-Mobile. This is a an exclusive to T-Mobile. It's an environmentally responsible handset that has been designed to reduce the environmental impact by using sustainable materials in the design and packaging and delivering performance and quality that customers rely on. So if you're looking for a device that comes with a little bit of a, a green footprint in its mind, then this would be possibly the device for you. The black T-Mobile Dash has been announced. It's now available on T-Mobile for the price of $99. Uh, That includes an instant discount and a mail-in rebate. You can get that one over at T-Mobile as well. Sprint has announced that the Instinct will be coming in a pink form to Best Buy's website. However, the price at this point looks to be a little bit high, $600. My guess is that's for the unsubsidized version. Uh, Drop that down to about $400 and then have some mail-in rebates on top of it to bring it down to about 200 would be my guess but if you want to get the device without a contract 600 dollars looks to be the initial offering at this time if you're with verizon if you want to get yourself a blackberry the blackberry pearl 8130 is on special right now 20 dollars is all you'll have to pay that comes with a 100 mail-in rebate off the two-year contract price so 20 dollars for a blackberry not too bad if you're on verizon And Orange has stated that they will be possibly pulling the BlackBerry Bowl off of their network yet again. Apparently, the original version of the BlackBerry Bowl that was running, uh, operating system 4.6, subversion 126, was a very buggy release. They did uh, reinstate it and launched it with version 162, which has been a, a very usable version for them. However, they're stating that they're still having problems and that they may be dropping it off the network altogether to get rid of any uh, potential future issues that they could have with it. So if you're an Orange customer, keep an, your eye on that one because you could have an issue in the future. Sprint to release the BlackBerry Niagara this quarter. The Niagara is what I would call a very stormy, boldy curve because, in in other words, this is a, a phone that looks a lot like the bold and its form factor of the, the keyboard, uh, yet they're going to have it uh, with a model number that's very similar to the rest of the curves in the 8900 series. And of course, then the Storm in its general you know dimensions and, and overall look. So Stormy Boldy Curve, what do you think, Joey? I think that's just perfect. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, full QWERTY keyboard, 480 by 360 display, EVDO Reve, a GPS Wi-Fi, and a 3.2 megapixel camera. This one, does it say it's a uh, GSM world roaming phone? Because that's what I would imagine this would be replacing is the 8830. I can only imagine that it would be. This is probably the higher end device. I, I notice it does have the camera on it, though, which... Uh, you know, a lot of times they they do the cameras as the the non camera devices as the business you know facing devices, and that's the ones that you know that they put the world roaming in. So I don't know. We'll have to you know keep an eye on that to see what they decide to do with that. But could be you know you're right, a, a very good um, successor to the eighty eight hundred series. Which means, of course, we'll see it on uh, Verizon probably a few months from now as well. I would guess we would. Yep. Uh, and finally, here in devices, the Sony Ericsson C510, codenamed Kate, has gotten some pictures uh, posted of it. It's a Sony CyberShot-style device with a 3.2-megapixel camera, autofocus, and QVGA video with a 2.2-QVGA display, smile shutter, active lens cover, dedicated camera key, photo and video light, you can see it's kind of got a photocentric styling to it, blue illuminated imaging shortcuts, face detection, best pick photo fix and also 160 megabytes of built-in memory with an m2 card slot also does auto rotation when viewing and you can download and upload videos to youtube with it so do some doing quite a bit of stuff here with the photo side of things and you know what sony does very very well with its cameras they bring to the phone so if you're a photog check out the ericsson sony ericsson excuse me c510 kate into some software here. Pandora is a program that people have used uh, for the last few years to stream music to their, either their computers or to their iPhones. And up until now, it's only been available for a select number of Windows mobile devices. Well, the folks over at XDA developers have uh, ripped out a cab file that you can now download and use to install Pandora on any Windows mobile device. I have tested it. It does work on the Diamond, so I can uh, I can state that that does work. And if you're interested in streaming uh, music over a Windows mobile device, check out Pandora. It's a great service. Uh, it does some really neat stuff with choosing the types of music that you're looking for based on a search that you do. Pretty fun service available for Windows mobile devices now as well. Sling Player for BlackBerry is now available for download. We talked about it on the past show that it was coming. It is here. If you're interested in it, head over to BlackBerry's site, or actually it's mobile.slingmedia.com is the site that you can head over to and download the Sling Player for BlackBerry. Telenav GPS Navigator for the BlackBerry Storm was something that was mysteriously missing when the Storm got released a couple of months back, but it is now available, and you can download a free 30-day trial, and for $10 per month, get unlimited use of Telenav GPS service on the Storm. Cupcake is not just a food, but it's also an update for the T-Mobile G1. Coming soon is the information that we're seeing now. If you're not familiar with Cupcake, it is a, uh, a, a software package that has a number of fixes and updates for the existing software package on the G1, including an on-screen keyboard, the most notable difference. If you're a G1 user, you'll know the annoyance of not being able to type out a short message or uh, do anything other than uh, dial phone numbers without sliding out the keyboard. So anyway, that's a nice update that could be coming soon in the Cupcake update. Next here, Android's market to offer paid applications. Google informed developers that the Android market will now or will soon be offering the ability to download programs for a fee. Uh, this has been prevented for developers in the past to allow for users to download different programs and be able to test out how the application store works for it. So this will be arriving sometime in the first quarter. 
Yeah, it should be an exciting uh, thing because because once we've got um, you know some incentive for programmers to to develop apps, I think we'll see a lot uh, we'll see a lot better apps, a lot more power, and it should be uh, a way to really spurn the development and you know the 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 exciting apps we'll see for Android. Yeah, I think so. I think this is this is nothing but positive news for those that are looking uh, forward to the the future of Android. And I, I I realize that you know paid applications may not be what you want, but at the same time, the better applications are going to be you know or not better, but you'll see a, a wide variety of very good applications come out once you see the paid structure come out. Uh, finally, in the software side, the Nokia N96 had an update a few months back, uh, but it was only for international versions. The North American release of the firmware is now available. You can get it over at Nokia.com. It's got some major bug fixes, including Bluetooth compatibility, stability, and camera performance. It also makes the N96 compatible with the new Mail on Avi service. Into the questions this week. First one is a comment from Peter, and he says, Hey guys, a while back I had ordered an 8830 World Edition device for one of my attorneys, and the device did not activate. I called my Verizon liaison, and we learned that Verizon had the device listed in their system as stolen. Keep up the wonderful show, Peter. Joey, we talked about this last week in a kind of a story of someone try, had bought a device that uh, wanted to give to their daughter, I believe it was, for a, a gift. And when they tried to activate it, of course, they were came back and they said the, the, uh, the ESN had already been activated on the network. And yet another story here from Peter that says that the device, a brand new device, had been, had been stolen. And uh, so, um, you know, we had, I think you had mentioned before the possibility of, uh, you know, they reused an ESN number, I think, was, the, was your thought? Yeah, I think they accidentally had reused it. But this... Uh, you know, reading directly from the comment here, he he doesn't say he ordered it from Verizon directly. So I, I suppose mm. there's a possibility he did get this from eBay or some other uh, reseller, which if you do not check out the ESN number ahead of time, you may, you know, you are at risk of having a stolen phone that you will not be able to activate if you do buy a phone off eBay or, you know, a person on the street or a, a pawn shop. So you really do want to get that ESN number and uh, verify before placing your bid or before purchasing that phone to make sure that you will be able to activate that phone once you do in, indeed purchase it. And that's a that's a great kind of public service announcement for those that are out there looking to to buy a device that if you if you can't do anything else uh, in, as far as research on the phone, at least do this when you're buying a CDMA device. If it's any sort of reputable seller, they're going to send you this information so that you can call up and check it. And I've done it before. It's it it usually doesn't take too much. You say I'm I'm looking to buy a phone. I need to check the ESN. They'll run it through their system and they'll say yay or nay. And that's really all they'll tell you. But that's really all you need to know. So do it. Just it's it's that simple. Just make sure you're checking them if you're buying used devices because you never know who you're buying from. Next one is a comment from Randy. He says, hey, Mickey and Joey, I just wanted to let you guys know how much I enjoy the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked podcast that you guys do. I listen to both the Cell Phone Junkie and the Unlocked show, but I find myself getting more excited to see the Unlocked show appear in my new podcast folder in iTunes. I do enjoy the Cell Phone Junkie podcast, and I have not missed one since I started listening in January of last year. It's nice to hear about other smartphones and how they stack up against the iPhone. But I am a proud iPhone fanboy, or maybe I'm an Apple fanboy without a Mac. But hey, I have two Apple TVs. I love listening to the Unlocked show, 
I love how you guys have a completely different podcast to talk about the cool stuff like cell phone towers, LTE, the history and future of cell phones, and the predictions that you made in the upcoming year. Awesome stuff. Anyways, thanks for keeping me entertained with your shows and keep up the great work. Danny. Well, Danny, certainly I, I said Randy. I meant Danny. I apologize for that, Danny. You know, this is uh, that, that, that's just, you know, great, uh, you know, great feedback to hear. I certainly appreciate that. And, you know, I love it, Joey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the positive comments. Makes yep. it uh, makes it more fun to do. And I, I'm going to I've never actually asked it to have the listeners do this, but I'm going to ask this right now. And that's if you are a fan of the show and you, you enjoy listening to it, um, the one place that um, you can really make your opinion heard is at iTunes because the majority of our shows get downloaded through iTunes. So if you go over to iTunes and you're logged into your account, head over and do a search for the cell phone junkie and the TCPJ unlocked. And in there you can add comments. So add your comments in iTunes on, on how you like the shows, because those are certainly great to see. And it's, it's the, the biggest way that everyone gets the shows. And, and so they read those and, and know if they want to download it or not. So Danny, thanks again for your comments. And to everybody, hop over to iTunes, leave your comments. It would certainly be appreciated. Next one here is a voicemail from Ryan. Hey guys, this is Ryan. I just had a question about uh, uh, batteries on a, on a cell phone. Um, I've got a phone that I keep as a backup, and I was wondering if it is uh, better to keep the battery for that phone discharged or fully charged. Um, I don't know if there's a benefit to keeping it either way. I've been keeping it fully charged, um, but just wanted to make sure that that's not what you don't want to do. Um, anyways, thanks a lot. Bye. All right, great. Thanks, Ryan, for that. So, Joey, before the show, we were talking about this a little bit, and you know, we both have some some thoughts on what you can do in, in storing these things because, it, you know, as as a person who likes to try out a lot of phones, I've got all sorts of different phones um, that are just kind of sitting here on the shelf. A lot of them are, are older phones, and I don't really use on a regular basis anymore. But at the same time, what is the best way to keep those batteries good? Um, there's there's a lot of different things that you can do when storing a device. You can just, once you stop using it, just throw it in a drawer and call it good. You can charge it up. You can drain it down. You can take the battery out. You can leave it in. So, Joey, I'll ask you first, what do you think Ryan should do with his batteries? Well, best thing to do, I believe, is to fully charge the battery up and take it out of the phone because uh, you will have some uh, parasitic draw on the battery when it's in the device. Um, there's other things that... Uh, you know, if you leave the battery in there, if the battery happens to leak, you know how like double A batteries, they, they tend to leak over time. Every once in a while, I mean, you may have that occurrence. I mean, if the battery shorts out and, and explodes, I suppose you'll save your device if you take it out. Um, so there's a few good reasons to take it out of the device. Um, and just, I, I suppose then every, what, couple months, uh, give it a, a top off charge. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the best advice too. But, you know, the key to that is to remove it to from the device because if if you don't you're 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 risking all sorts of different issues. Um, there is some school of thought that says that you you put it at half draw uh, or half capacity and then take it out. Um, this is a recommendation from certain manufacturers for for example laptop batteries as well. Um, but I think overall the best the best advice that we can give just in general is to store a battery with at minimum, a partial charge, if not a full charge, removed from the actual device itself um, in a uh, in an area that is room temperature. That's another thing too: is you don't want to have it sitting out, uh, uh, you know, for example, in a, in a hot closet or you know, in a garage or something like that. 
Yeah, and the cooler is probably better. Sure, absolutely. I mean, you talk about well, you see people do this all the time where they store their their AA batteries in refrigerators or whatever to help, you know, limit the draw. That's not to say you should put them in the freezer, but uh, you know, maybe put them, you know, put them in your refrigerator. Although, I think I would get some weird looks from my wife if I had all the phones sitting in the freezer or the refrigerator. <laughs> Honey, we yeah, I think you would. We need a new refrigerator. I got some got some more batteries I got to store. <laughs> anyway, hopefully that answers your question, Ryan. And, uh, you know, happy, happy safe batterying. It's not even a term. Anyway, next one here is a comment from Paul. And I like to mention these every time we get them. But I got to read Paul's comment. He says, please notify me of your awesomeness, as he's referring to the podcast, and add me to the email list to notify me when they have been posted. Uh, I do send out an email every week once the show has been posted. It is only used to notify you of when the new shows have come out. If you'd like to be on that list, send a question over to questions at the junkie.com and I will make sure you get on that list so you get an email the moment the newest show is released. Next one, a question from Marmsey says, I'm a CDMA user and I'm quite happy that the major providers here in Canada as well as the U.S. have found something to replace EVDO. As we know, LTE is IP-based and we know that it's very fast. But I was wondering if you could shed some light on the basics of how it might work with the carriers. Will voice calls on CDMA and LTE devices uh, still use the old protocol? And will the introduction of the new data radios cause the signature buzz and click interference that GSM devices cause when in the vicinity of audio equipment? Well, a couple of different questions there. First off, you know, we don't have a ton of information about the new technology right now. So we're kind of just going off of what we have and, you know, what we've what we can kind of speculate about it. Um, But what you can bet is that we're going to see a lot more of this over the next year. What do you what do you think, Joey? Well, this first question, voice calls on CDMA and LTE devices still use the old protocol. I believe, if I remember correctly, back to our LTE unlock show. You may want to go back to that to reference that. Um, But I think um, that LTE does have circuit-based simulation to do phone calls. So I I don't really think it'll be an old old protocol. It'll just be whatever protocol, you know, CDMA versus LTE uses. Um, The second one about the uh, data radios having the buzz and, and interference at GSM... I highly doubt it'll do that just because the fact that it's a, it's a very modern um, signal. It's probably a lot tighter controlled than the GSM is, and I, I, I don't expect that to happen at all. Yeah, I'm going to guess not as well. Um, I, I, the, the, the phones themselves, as they've, they've transitioned from you know, edge to 3G and um, even, the, even the CDMA devices, we've never, we've never seen that uh, as an issue. And um, I... I would say no. I'm just going to say that. Um, you know, my response to the, you know, what it's going to be as far as a CDMA LTE device, it's going to be a dual mode phone, so it's going to work on both. So depending on where you are, and this is this is really going to be interesting to see because the first devices that come out are really going to be the ones that they're going to be they're going to be trialing how the interaction on the voice side happens. Um, so my guess is that they're going to, uh, we'll probably see at least one device that comes out that is CDMA only and then LTE for the data side. 
um, or maybe they'll just have it ready to go. You know, they'll just have, they'll say, hey, you can use LTE for everything. Here you go. It really, you know, rollout schedules, uh, you know, how much is, is ready. Uh, they're already looking at 2009 this year now. Wow, this is the first show of 2009. Just realized that. Uh, 2009 as, you know, the year that Verizon's going to start their rollout. Uh, it's one of those things you really have to, you really have to wonder, uh, you know, what, what is going to be, wh- how are they going to have this stuff, these timelines ready? And, and they'll figure it out that way. But I think we're going to see a number of dual mode devices that have have both. Um, we'll still see the, the traffic riding on CDMA as well, but um, trialing on LTE too. And eventually it's going to go away. It's going to be, it's going to be uh, IP based, I, I would believe. So anyway, uh, next one here, a voicemail from Michael. Hello, guys. Love your podcast. This is Michael from California. I am wondering, I'm looking at getting the AT&T Fuse, and I'm looking at a couple of different options, either going into a, a retail AT&T store and purchasing it from them, and then um, getting it unlocked, although I'm running into some problems with them not wanting to sell me the phone, um, even at the no commitment price, because they want to hook me into some type of contract. And I basically wanted to take it and use it on T-Mobile, um, even though I know I will not be able to get the 3G on T-Mobile. So I'm wondering if you guys have any suggestions around that, and if you know of some good, reputable online um, dealers that I could purchase an unlocked uh, AT&T Fuse uh, and go that route. So if you could, uh, let me know, and I'll uh, wait to hear your answer in the podcast. Thanks for your help. All right, Michael, thank you very much for your voicemail. First off, uh, the AT&T Fuse, also known as the HTC Touch Pro. Um, the first question I'd have for you is, uh, have you looked at just getting the Touch Pro and not actually getting the AT&T Fuse? Uh, the reason I ask that is because when you go with the standard or stock HTC devices, you're going to uh, when you insert your SIM card, be able to choose which provider you want to configure the device for. HTC has a built-in um, small application that goes in and configures the settings of the device, which is fairly nice to do. Uh, so I would take a look at that if you're very interested uh, in, in this particular, the, the styling of the device. I would say take a look at the Touch Pro. The pricing, though, is a little bit more. The The site that I've used in the past to buy unlocked devices through is importgsm.com. Now, they've got the HTC Touch Pro, aka Raphael, on there for $649, which seems a little bit high, but when you look at the unlocked devices that you can, uh, the unlocked HTC Pro through Best Buy, I believe it's 700 so it's still a little bit less than you'd find in a retail setting. So take a look at Import GSM. I, I know they're reputable. I've bought from them. Um, I know other people have bought from them too. I get recommendations to use them uh, from from those that have bought. So take a look at them if you want to just go spend the money, know it's going to be good, and, and get it. That That's a place I would go. If you're set on getting the fuse, you want to look for an unlocked AT&T fuse. AT&T is not going to sell it to you, so you got to find an online reseller to do so. Two sites that I found that have relatively... Uh, good prices on them are on salesell.com, and that's got it for $600. Uh, the other one is uh, eWirelessExperts.com, and they've got it for $518. So you save about 20% off of what you can get it on Import GSM from. So those uh, particular phones are 
Uh, like I said, there are the those are the the different styling. I guess would be a reason that you'd want to go with that. But other than that, I would say I would go with the Touch Pro. But you know what? You may you may have other reasons that I just don't know about, and whatever. That's fine. So, uh, but those are the the recommendations that I have for buying it online. Joey, anything you'd uh, like to add with that one? No, I I don't have any particular recommendations since I really haven't done uh, much purchasing. I mean, unless you go to eBay and find uh, a used one. Yeah, it's that's another option too. You could you could do that. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's some, there's some merit to buying on eBay or look at actually Amazon and go through the refurbished section. They'll have some deals on there as well. So Amazon, eBay, import GSM, and then these two sites, I'm going to actually include all of them in the show notes here. So if you couldn't get them all written down, you can do so. Uh, by heading over to the site, which is the cellphonejunkie.com. And you can head over there to read all the, the news and read all the stories that we refer to on this show. And also you can send us an email or shoot us a voicemail if you'd like to have your question or comment read at questions at the cellphonejunkie.com or giving us a call to 206-203-3734. We'd like to play all the questions and comments that we receive to make the show more interactive. So thank you, everyone, again, for a great 2008. We had a really great year. Uh, we were able to do a show every single week for the entire year. We started off the year with show number, let me look back here real quick. It was show number 84 and ended the year with 135. So uh, that math doesn't seem quite right, but I know we did a show every week. I remember we did. We didn't miss one, but uh, keep the questions and comments coming. Yeah, absolutely. That's what uh, that's what kind of drives us with the show. So we certainly appreciate it. And as always, I wanted to thank you, Joey, for your time this week. Happy 2009, everyone. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com. <laughs>